It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. We got a loaded show today. Let's jump into it. We're going to talk about Auburn's newest football recruit, or or commitment rather. We're going to talk about the offensive line. Also, we will hear from Josh Lloyd from Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball. He's done a ton of research and film study on Isaac Okoro, so we will talk about him from the standpoint of the NBA draft. I'm Zach Blackerby. Michael Pappas joining me as always. How are you, bud? I'm doing great, Zach. How are you? I'm good. I am good. So, uh, yeah, we're recording this um, Wednesday evening, and seconds before we both kind of connected to record, uh, get the notification that Auburn has added a new wide receiver to their uh, their commitments. Hal Presley, the 6'3", 190-pound wide receiver. Where is he from? Mansfield, Texas, boy. Yep, yep, yep. Mansfield Summit High School in Arlington, Texas. Three-star, number 54, wide receiver nationally. And... Uh, you and I were kind of talking about the um, the numbers. So this year, he's got eight touchdowns, 19 catches for 468 yards. That was over 20 yards a catch, right? Yeah, that was almost 25 yards a catch. Ridiculous. And just like to add to that, eight touchdowns on 19 receptions. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. That's almost half. And, and looking at his huddle stuff... Um, I don't know. It looks like he's kind of able to do a lot of things. He's comfortable in the middle of the field. Um, like any, like any kind of commits highlights, they're going to capitalize from bad tackling and stuff, but that's exciting. And then let's see his junior year. It had it right here on two, four, seven, um, caught 45 passes for 874 yards and eight scores as a junior. So big play guy, um, Kind of the note that Keith had on him, or Jason Campbell, excuse, or Jason Caldwell, excuse me, of uh, Auburn Undercover, talking about how, um, like any kind of three-star wide receiver, got to add some weight. So that'll be uh, interesting to monitor, um, kind of what he looks like now before he steps on campus. But I think that's fun. I mean, we've talked about how well Auburn has done recruiting guys from Texas. I think Chad Morris strikes again. Yeah, absolutely, Zach. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, this seems to be a big Chad Morris, Cody Burns. And I, I got to say, 6'3", 190 doesn't seem all that skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, compared to some of the other guys that we see coming in, I don't think that is too alarming of a number. Uh, uh, I feel like he's a three-star because of production he just like he's got 19 catches this year that seems low yeah um i'm looking at some of the notes that jason had talking about you know a lot of players not losing eligibility but um there's a good chance that auburn's going to be without some of their top receivers going to the next year just because the, the nfl is going to want them so um maybe there'll be a chance for playing time there but we will have to see but 
all in all, I think that's exciting. Anytime you pick up a guy that these uh, coaches want, I think that's exciting. So, um, yeah, one more time, welcome uh, Hal Presley to the Auburn commitment list. That's exciting. That's exciting. All right, so I want to go through each offensive lineman, the starting five guys currently. I want to give you my thoughts on them, Michael, and then I want your numbers and analytics brain to kind of tell me um, what the analytics say um, and how far off I am. That work? That totally works. Sweet. All right, we'll go from left to right. So left tackle, Alec Jackson. I think he's gotten a ton better. I still don't think he's great by any means, but I think he's gotten a ton better from the start of the season. I mean, this is a guy that I just, I mean, I said all offseason and for the majority of the offseason, like I don't think this guy's going to be relevant on this team, at least this year. And he's become a fine piece on this offensive line. I think as far as technically, and when you look at his game on on the field, I think his kick step is slow, um, but I do think it's an overall improvement in the blocking game, the run blocking game from a year ago. I mean, you look at Prince Tega, who was there, it's weird. You would think that Tega would have been good at moving guys in the running game, but really they were just more effective in the... Um, he was more effective in the passing game. We've talked about it a ton. So all in all, I think with the makeup of what this team wants to do as the emergence of Tank Bigsby happens... I think it kind of makes sense. And I think over the course of the season, it appears that he's gotten better as a pass protector as well. What do the numbers say? So he has Im- improved, um, albeit slightly, I will say. Um, if we throw out the Georgia game, since that was so much worse than the other games for pretty much everybody, um He hovers right around 56, 57, with the exception being a 78.6 pass blocking grade against Arkansas. So that was his best game of the year by far, and Mm -hmm. he still let up a sack. Um, He's let up four sacks, one quarterback hit, 16 hurries, and 21 pressures on the season. He also has four penalties have been called against him. So, I don't know, it's like he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been great. Yeah. Um, he was very, very, very bad against Georgia. He let up seven pressures on 37 pass block snaps, mm-hmm. which is real bad. Right. Um, but outside of that, he's he's been um, pretty good, I'll say. LSU, I think, was his best all-around game. Um, it was his highest graded game of the season at 65.9 which is above average. Yeah. And then pass blocking grade of 57.2 and run blocking grade at 66.5. So it was his, it it was a average, I guess, pass blocking game for him, but it was his best run blocking game of the season. And he did let up three pressures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that battle between him and Troxel appears to be done. So, um, I think he's gotten better. We'll see if that trend continues over the you know these two bye weeks that this team has had and all that moving forward. Left guard to Sean Manning. Um, he started the season really, really bad, in my opinion. I think you could make the argument he is the most improved player on this team since the season started. He's, I think he's fine once he engages with a defender. I don't think he always really seems comfortable or knows where to go or who to block. 
and or or he's like slow to get to the spot that he needs to be or the guy that he needs to be, depending on what kind of blocking scheme Auburn's calling. But once he gets his hands on a guy, I think he's been really fine. Um, and over the course of the season, like I said, I think he's gotten tons better. I think he's gotten absolutely significantly better. Is he great? No, but I think he's above average now. What do the numbers say? Uh, the numbers tend to agree with you. Uh, his snap counts actually went down from Kentucky to Georgia to Arkansas. Um, he played 40 snaps, 30 snaps, and then 22 snaps. Uh, he did, however, uh, improve in each game. And then against Arkansas, he really had a breakout game, or at least I would say. I mean, he he got an 82.3 overall pass blocking grade, which is really good. Um, since then, he has been the starter. He's played 91 snaps against South Carolina, 78 against Ole Miss, and 60 against LSU. His pass block grade has gone down in each game, but his run blocking grade has has improved. So I think we're starting to see like him come into his own, as you will, and kind of settle into his current uh, above-average role here for Auburn. Um, he's sitting... His most recent game against LSU, he had a 68.8 overall offensive grade, which was his highest of the season. And so hovering right around that 70 mark in, in all three all three categories, offensive, pass blocking, and run blocking. And, and he let up one pressure in that game. And that's you know really impressive going against the defense that had the most sacks in the SEC coming into the game. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll, uh, we'll look at the other three starting offensive linemen in just a moment, and then a conversation about Isaac Okoro's NBA draft stock. All that coming up right here on Locked on Auburn. I want to give some love to our friends at Frisky Whiskey. We talk about these guys because we believe in their service and their product as far as them being uh, a very cheap and very uh, inexpensive, I guess should be probably the better word to use, um, way to uh, be your one-stop shop for liquor, beer, wine, tobacco, and lottery. Alabama, fourth highest uh, tax rate on distilled spirits in the country per gallon. Uh, Georgia is 37th in the country. Um, so, I mean, if you buy just two handles of liquor um, in Alabama versus Georgia, you're talking about a $16 difference. So, well worth the quick drive from Auburn, Opelika, anywhere in Lee County, just 15 minutes away at Frisky Whiskey. Great selection in beer, wine, uh, liquor, tobacco, lottery, 10,000 square feet of selection. It's awesome. Frisky Whiskey, right off the interstate. You can't find better service. Also, want to give some love to our friends at Coors Light. There's only one beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. And they want you to know that whatever sport is happening this fall and whatever team you're watching on Saturday, sadly the past two weeks it has not been Auburn, but they understand it's therapeutic to fans. It's an uninterrupted me time, and the best way to fully enjoy that time is grabbing a Coors Light. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Moving right along, looking at center, Nick Brahms. Uh, I think it's interesting, the guy with the most experience coming into this season, 
I think maybe the guy that's played the worst so far on the offensive line. I think he gets it between the years, but I just don't think he's executing. Some of these other guys that we've talked to so far, they just don't block the correct guy or they don't, you know, process things correctly with the blitz pickup and passing situations. But Brahms to me, he just gets beat physically. And I think the former is easier to fix once the season starts than the latter. And he's had a lot of time to work on this. He blocks high or too high at times. He uh, he lunges forward too much at times. Um, I just, I'm not impressed with Nick Brahms. I get it. He's the starting center and you needed to bring experience back at that position. But all in all, I've just, I've not been impressed with him. Yeah, Zach, I agree with you. Um, the... I think we all kind of expected him to come back and be a second quarterback on the field for Auburn, kind of the quarterback of the offensive line, if you will, and kind of be that stalwart veteran presence. Um, Unfortunately, he hasn't been that. Uh, His first two games of the season were objectively very bad. Uh, Since then, he has improved, so that is worth noting. His best game looks like it was against Ole Miss. Um, his pass blocking grade in that game was an 82.9, so that's very good. Um, his run blocking has improved each game, and I think a lot of that for run blocking, I think a lot of that has to do with continuity in the offensive line and getting comfortable with each other and and where like knowing where the guy next to you is going to be and, and being able to pass off if necessary and, and stuff like that. Um, it's just very inconsistent. The first two games of the season, he's under 50 for for pass blocking grades. Then against Arkansas, he's at 68. Against mm-hmm. South Carolina, he's back at 55. Ole Miss, he's up at a, at an 83, which is very good. And then he's back down to under 70 against LSU. So we've kind of seen Nick Brahms run the entire gauntlet from from very bad to very good. Yeah, And I think you need more consistency than that from your starting center. Right, right. Keandre Jones obviously came in at right guard after Brandon Council went down. Once again, can't stress this enough. This is a Brandon Council podcast. But, I mean, props to Jones. I mean, we've been very high on Council. I think we both agree Council was the best offensive lineman um, before his injury. And I think there's been a kind of a a pretty small drop-off from Jones to Council after Council went down. I like him in the running game and the passing game. I thought Jones looked really, really good against LSU. Um, I think he's kind of came in and and, and kind of taking care of business. I think it's a, he's been a really bright spot for Auburn this season as far as, you know, depth being there and he uh, him really stepping up. Yeah, his story this season to me at least, is very interesting. Um, He was, I thought he was Auburn's best offensive lineman through three games. Um, He, his snap count increased all three games. He got the start against Arkansas at right guard. And um, I I thought he played really well. His grade in that game was a 69.2. And that, you know, that, that's not, elite but that's still good um his pass blocking grades were all good through the first three games i mean he was above 80 against kentucky at 78 against georgia and then 73 against arkansas his pass blocking improved every game and then against south carolina he didn't play he got one snap against Ole miss he got 10 uh, and he had an 80 overall pass blocking grade that game also 
And then against LSU, he got the start and played his worst game of the season. And I think the worst game of the offensive line um, in that game, he let up two pressures. Again, I kind of think in the grand scheme of things, two pressures against that LSU defense is really not very many. But he he his most recent game was his worst game of the season, which he's the only offensive lineman we're saying that about. And the only other game this season where he's played as high of a snap count was Arkansas, which was his best game of the season. So uh, I think that we're going to see some some very – I think Keandre Jones is going to continue to get better as the season progresses. Then our last offensive lineman, right tackle, Brodarius Ham. I think he's a guard, but Gus really wants him to play right tackle. I think he's been good in the running game. I think he's gotten much better in the passing game. Against elite edge guys, I think Auburn's going to run into an issue with his ability to pass protect. Now, fortunately, Auburn may not see a whole lot of that on this schedule and just kind of the current state of the SEC, but I don't trust him on the edge in regards to, one, sealing it from a, you know, if you're trying to reach block and get to the outside shoulder of the in-man of the line of scrimmage, that's more in the running game. But in the passing game, I don't really trust him on the edge as far as um, keeping the pocket clean and, and guys not rushing across his face. I just don't think he has that elite level of athleticism, but I think he's done fine this year. Um, he seems to be a leader, and you can't really put a value on that, but... Um, I don't know. I, I think it said a lot about what this coaching staff thinks about Broderius Ham as as early as they gave us access to him as far as media availability goes, and I think that kind of travels. So I think that shows that he's a leader in the locker room and a leader in this offensive line room. Um, but I just I don't think he's an edge blocker um, in the running game or the passing game. What do the numbers say? Uh, the numbers actually say that he's Auburn's best pass blocker. That's awesome. Yeah, against South Carolina, he had an absolutely incredible 88.6 overall grade. He's been he's averaged a 75 between Kentucky, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Uh, LSU pass blocking was his worst game of the season at 40.9, um, by far his worst of the season. And uh, against Georgia, he was actually you know just about average at pass blocking, which the way that the whole team played. Against Georgia, that's I don't, I don't want to say that's saying something, but I mean that's still pretty good. It is. I mean, if they all played average, that game looks totally different. Yeah. Um, the the run blocking Zach it has been sort of up and down, but it has really hovered right above sixty. I think in his average, I think if we actually ran the numbers and average, it'd probably be around sixty five, which again is above average, but not not. Yeah, I guess where we would want it to be, and I don't think where he would want it to be. And on the season, he's averaging at 64. So um, all in all, I, I think Bradarius Ham is Auburn's best offensive lineman. And I, I I know I've said this for like everyone, that we're, we're going to continue to see him improve. But for Ham, I think it's more about consistency. If he can be consistently you know, above average to great at pass blocking versus – and then, I guess, about slightly above average at run blocking. You know, that's a that's a very good offensive lineman. Right. Um, Pappas, before we uh, wrap up this segment, is there anything else 
about the offensive line and just kind of blocking for this offense that we've seen so far this year that you want to touch on? Um, not really. I mean, I think we've all kind of said it. You've seen the offense come into come into their own throughout this season, um, and, and they've all started to look, you know, a lot better. And right now we're looking at, you know, in overall offensive grades, it's Bradarius Ham. Keandre Jones, Tashawn Manning, Nick Brahms, and then Alec Jackson. Um, I think that Alec Jackson is definitely the weak link on this offense. But the offensive line has only allowed five sacks this season, according to Pro Football Focus, and they will credit quarterbacks with sacks. So if they deem it to be Bo's fault that you know he got sacked, they'll credit that to Bo and not to the offensive line. Um, so they've allowed five sacks. Four of them have been against, have been credited to Alec Jackson mm-hmm. and Alec Jackson has allowed 16 hurries. The second most is Nick Brahms at five and Alec Jackson has allowed 21 pressures. And the second most is Nick Brahms at five or no, the second most is Bradarius Hammett six, excuse me. So like Alec Jackson is, is, clearly the weak link on the offensive line. But like we said, I mean, he has been improving and continues to improve. And so I think that that bodes well for, for the offensive line moving forward. Yeah. I mean that left side of the offensive line now versus what they look like against Georgia. I mean, it's, it's night and day. So props to the coaching staff and coach Bicknell for, um, for getting these guys right. All right, coming up in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn, we will chat with Josh Lloyd um, about Isaac Okoro and his stock in the NBA draft. Coming up, today's show also brought to you in part by Built Go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's mental or physical, break through it with Go, Built Go, every day. It comes in one and a half ounce packages, and it's um, it, it's this workout gel, and it tastes great, but also makes you feel great. It makes you feel energized. It's like a, a monster energy drink, um, but it actually has stuff in it that you can pronounce. Uh, it comes in three delicious flavors: peanut butter, honey, coconut, or chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It's like a five hour energy without that crash feeling. It's natural. It agrees with your body. So go to builtgo.com, use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. We're now joined by Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On NBA as well as Locked On Fantasy Basketball and lead fantasy basketball analyst at BasketballMonster.com. Josh, thanks for taking a few minutes. I appreciate it. No worries, Zach. I, I've been told that you've done a lot of uh, research on Isaac Okoro. Auburn fans very excited about having a, an early NBA draft pick. Had Shuma drafted fairly early, earlier than we expected um, a year ago. But, I mean, just kind of 
purposely uh, an open-ended question here, but I mean, just general thoughts about Isaac as he, um, you know, as NBA teams kind of look at his game. Well, you know, I've been, ever since this NBA season shut down in March, I've been diving heavily into the, the draft stuff. So I had a lot of time to look at these guys. And Okora is obviously someone who's been, yeah, projected pretty high in this draft after coming into the season with nowhere near that level of buzz. Um, it feels like he's going to get in the lottery. There's no doubt about that. You see him discussed up into the top five. Sometimes he'll be uh, yeah, in, in the 10 to 14 sort of range. But he's going to be a, a pretty high draft pick, yeah, exceeding where uh, where Truma went last season. Um, I think the position of him in the draft is is interesting because this draft is considered weaker. So if he goes at pick seven or eight, is that maybe equivalent to where Akiki was last season? It, it is hard to say because of the, the relative lack of sort of top-end talent here, but he's absolutely someone that NBA teams are, are really interested in as perhaps the best perimeter defender in this class. So when you look at Isaac's game, and I know NBA scouts and NBA teams are watching college basketball way different than the average college basketball fan is, but when I, when I watch Isaac play, I mean, it's his defense, right? It's his defense that the NBA teams love so much. Yeah, that's what it is. Like He's a guy that's obviously got some size there on the wing. He's what, 6'6", yeah, 6'7", six, 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 weighing 220-plus. Um, quite strong and getting those guys who can guard on the wings against these players who are quite dominant out there, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, those sort of players, and having the ability to switch down as well, having the speed, the movement, and the strength is what's really intriguing people about uh, Akora, and that's what they're looking at now. I guess the concerns they have is what he does on the other end, what he does offensively, and that's where a lot of the, the concerns come in. But defensively, I think teams are pretty confident about his ability to uh, to go out there and at least provide a high level of resistance, if not shut some guys down. The biggest critique that I had watching Okoro just you know over his, his one season at Auburn was there'd be stretches of the game where Auburn would be dying. like They, they couldn't buy a basket. There's nothing they could do offensively to score. And Isaac just wouldn't shoot. And, you know, it, Auburn fans are fussing. It's like we finally get a lottery pick. And he doesn't want the ball in key situations. I mean, is that something that you saw while watching his tape? Yeah, look, it is a massive problem for him because he has no confidence in his shot because he's not a good shooter. 29% from three. I believe he shot 16% on two-point jump shots, which is absurdly low. Um, doesn't hit his free throws at a high rate, under 68% there. And you're realistically, you're having, I guess, that lack of confidence when you are the best player on your team is a, a little bit of a worry offensively and you feel that it could shrink even further when he gets to the NBA. And I think that if we were talking about a draft class that was stronger, he would probably fall down even further for those concerns because there are no real indicators in his game that would say that he is going to develop into a competent um, a competent shooter. Now, his finishing is really strong. His ability to get to the rim is pretty good as well. Like he had a, for a guy that doesn't hit free throws well, he was able to generate a pretty high free throw attempt rate over almost 55%, which is a really good number. So getting to the rim, attacking the rim, cutting to the rim, uh, all that's really good. He's, uh, I think, got really strong vision as a passer, but that lack of lack of aggressiveness and the lack of ability to to hit the shots is is something that's going to hold him back. And that's what he really needs to be, or needs to have been working on for these past seven months. I mean, how big of a red flag is that, though, Josh? I mean, it, can can NBA teams fix this over the first three or four seasons? You know, a, after they draft this guy, is that is that fixable? Is that doable? Um. 
look in general the you've got the the exceptions that that prove the rule that it can't be done. So Kawhi did it, sure. Jimmy Butler became a decent enough shooter, even though he's not a great shooter now. But in general, those players who have those shot struggles, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, um, they don't become good shooters. So that that's the worry. Like it can happen, but it's far from a guarantee. He's got other parts to his offensive game, which guys like MKG don't have, and DeAndre Hunter don't have. In that, in the passing and the vision and the ability to operate out of a pick and roll, and that's your key there. But if he can't hit a jumper and if he can't you know, take the three on the pick and roll, then teams are just going to go under all the time and they're going to sag off him, and it's going to close a lot of those passing lanes down. So he does need to work on it. I would, if you're going to take a bet either way, is he ever going to become a 37% three point shooter? I would take the under on it pretty easily, mm-hmm. but that's not to rule out that he's going to be able to do it. Does the style of offense you play in college basketball have a big impact? I know we talk about scheme a lot for football, which Auburn fans, uh, you know, very much a football-heavy fan base. This Bruce Pearl style of offense, you know, at Auburn, I mean, they they got possessions where it's, you know, two, three seconds into the shot clock, and, you know, they're, they're throwing up threes. Isaac didn't do it as much as a lot of these other guys, but do scouts care? Do scouts care about the style of offense that you play, specifically this Bruce Pearl type of offense where you're sprinting down the floor and, you know, just constantly running in a basketball game. Does that matter? I think they use it all as part of the evaluation. When you look at teams who run at high pace and you know, play that sort of offense, you've got to take that into consideration when you're looking at the numbers that, that players put up and, and realize that the same goes for defensively. Are you in a, a high gamble type defense? And you look at Okoro's numbers as a really good defender. Like his steal numbers are quite low because you know that's that's part of the way that he plays and the way the teams were avoiding where he was on the court as well. So there's all the context that goes into it. I don't think teams are going to look at it and go, well, this team is just going super fast and jacking up threes because a lot of NBA teams like to play that way as well and play with elevated pace. I think teams have more concern when a guy is in a college offense that is bogged down and slow and doesn't have many uh, doesn't have many modern concepts of NBA spacing and they go, well, how is he going to fit in an offense like that? Whereas these more three-point heavy offenses with some tempo uh, are things that plenty of NBA teams do. So I think that... It's all context related, but I don't think they're downgrading players because of you know this style of uh, of offense that Pearl was running. Sure, sure. Josh, you have a prediction for uh, for Okoro as far as where he'll be taken? Um, where where I think he'll be taken and where I think he should be taken are going to be different things. I, I'd I, like I think, to hear both if that's okay. Okay, I think he's probably going to go around five to six. Would be my guess. Um, yeah, either Cleveland at five or Atlanta at six. I've sort of gone back and forth on that. I think that's probably where he goes. Personally, I'd have him in the 10 to 12 range Yeah. Um, just because I, I do have those worries uh, about if the offensive game ever comes along and yeah, that's going to reduce a lot of his value. But I, I do think he's probably going to go in those first six picks. Sure. Yeah, I know a lot of Auburn fans would love for him to go to the Hawks. And, you know, he's, he's a Georgia guy, so that'd be... That'd be a lot of fun. Maybe help some jersey sales. We'll have to see. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you about this, but just real quick, I mean, your thoughts about Chuma Okiki, uh, you know, injured going into his NBA career with the Orlando Magic. What do you see from him this upcoming season? I like Chuma a lot. And I, I spoke to someone, I can't remember when it was, a couple of weeks ago, asking you about in terms of, and you might be an even better place to answer this, as as prospects or as college producers, would, if Truma and Isaac were in the same draft class, like who would be considered the better player? And if Truma had have come back to college for his uh, for his sophomore season, or sorry for his junior year, and, and didn't tear his ACL, would he have reduced the opportunity for Okora? I think that in terms of defensively, I think I might like Truma a little bit better than Isaac, at least in terms of his ability to be a defensive playmaker. 
and I feel a little bit more confident with his shots. I wouldn't be surprised if Truman actually ends up being a better player than Okoro, despite the relative nature of their draft spots, because you have to take into consideration the draft last year was a little bit stronger and the fact that he wasn't going to play at all. So that pushed him down to, oh, I think there's a real chance he could actually be better than Isaac. Sure, sure. No, I I agree with you. It would have been fun to see him on the, on the court at the same time. Josh, uh, a lot of Auburn fans listening, uh, they're going to be more invested into the NBA than ever now that they finally have some guys getting drafted. You put out some of the best content uh, as far as the NBA goes. Where can people find everything that you do? Uh, so obviously you can just search up the podcast in all your podcast apps, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and I host Locked On NBA once a week as well. And I'm on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. If you have any NBA court inquiries or fantasy basketball stuff, I'm over there on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's edition of Locked On Auburn. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. It's another Ferg Friday. We'll talk about the upcoming season Uh, or I guess the upcoming games for this season. Gosh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We both feel good about the Tigers finishing strong this year. So follow me on Twitter at ZBlackery. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.